Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, PHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP. Welcome to episode 22 of the PHP Town Hall Podcast. You're joined today by myself, Ben Edmonds, David Stanley, and Don Gilbert. Phil won't be joining us today because he had a, a real life things to do, apparently, and uh, that's more important than all of us. Definitely. So let's start it off. Don yeah. is a repeat guest. Can you give us a quick little intro, Don, so uh, new listeners know who you are? All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Don Gilbert. I work with the Joomla framework. I'm a core maintainer there. And that's it. I'm really All right. Right <laughs> I, live in, I live in Chicago and I uh, have been um, doing web and PHP for about five years. I'll just leave it at that. We need to know your five year, 10 year, and 20 year goals, Don. We'll get to that. <laughs> All right, David, who the fuck are you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, nothing relevant is an answer, though. Um, name's David Stanley. I've been uh, working at PHP for eight or nine years now. Um, I'm not a core maintainer of anything big, really. I just uh, try to do a lot of work and build a lot of things and have fun. So, Cool. Yeah. All right, not so the, the first topic we're going to jump into here while we're all still sober, is uh, Joomla framework and then uh, the Joomla GPL fight. It's basically been a dogfight. Um, so, Don, to you first. Give us a little background on what the Joomla framework is, you know, where it's coming from, and uh, just really what's going on there, and then we'll jump into the GPL after that. Okay, so a quick rundown from where the Joomla framework came from. It's uh, an offshoot of the Joomla CMS that was, the CMS was originally developed in 2005 as a fork of Mambo. And much like the Expression Engine and CodeIgniter split, where CodeIgniter was taken from Expression Engine and built as an open source platform for PHP apps, we were also able to, after several years of developing the CMS, we wanted to extract a reusable code base to build applications on. And that started out back in PHP 5.2 days, so we didn't integrate namespacing or anything like that, but we had this application framework um, that we called the Joomla platform. Well, me being the curious guy that I am and wanting to use latest standards and stuff from the PHP, start integrating uh, PSRs from the PHP framework interoperability group, I started pushing to adopt namespacing and PHP 5.3 minimum, all these things that we wanted to do, that I wanted to do, to make it better and easier to develop apps. Well, it was determined by the core team at the time that that was too big of a change to really take in to the CMS, because that, 
that was in 2011, late 2011. Um, at the time, it was too big to bring that namespacing into the CMS. Our community wasn't ready for it. It was determined. So we rebooted the platform as the Joomla framework. It was a PHP 5.3 plus um, application framework. So we integrated namespaces, closures, um, you know, things like that. That and started integrating the uh, PHP fig PSRs within the framework. So now. Um, since it's an offshoot of the Joomla CMS, the CMS is a GPL licensed application. Um, and <clears throat> anybody who contributes to the project, they contribute under our uh, contributor's license agreement, which basically gives dual copyright between themselves and open source matters. Open source matters is an entity that owns the copyright for all the code. They provide legal and uh, financial services to the project and really just oversee the Joomla trademark. That's what they do. But yeah, now, now on that real quick, Open Source Matters, so they have, you know, like a charter that they're going off of, and Joomla CMS was the, I guess, the first big item on the charter um, for several years now. So was the framework originally an idea for the charter, or is it just kind of evolved over time to say, hey, we should also do a framework? So in the original charter for open source matters, like the mission for the project, like they oversee the Joomla project. And the Joomla project was never a CMS. It, the mission for the Joomla project was to build a uh, content publishing platform, application platform. You can read that in, uh, in the mission statement that you could you could read the application or the uh, Joomla framework into that if you wanted to. You could see that it was there from the beginning. And even talking to the developers, reading forum posts from 2006, 2007, you can see they were thinking about this the whole time. So it's been on their minds. And we've actually been discussing LGPL, or I should say LGPL has been discussed since 2007. So it's been it's been around it's been on people's minds for quite a while. It's not just a new thing. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. Okay, okay, so to jump back to your GPL stuff. So so far everything under the Joomla brand has been GPL. Right. Okay. And so where does LGPL fit and you know what's the controversy? Okay, so as you know, there's not been any decided court cases about this, so you can't really say definitively what legally, what the standings are. But from a common sense reading of the license, um, one would say, or one would conclude that any application that is built on top of this Joomla CMS, which is GPL, must also itself be GPL because it extends GPL libraries and that's the viral nature of uh, the GPL license. It says anything that extends or is a derivative work of a GPL program must also itself be GPL. Now this is a great thing for um, library or for uh, applications because what it means is it guarantees the freedoms for the end users to use the program, distribute the program, run it for any purpose, and to modify the source code. So it's good, and it makes it so people can work out bugs, you know, make sure that it's a secure software. It's great. 
and it guarantees that you will always have the source of the application. So in my opinion, that's great for an end user application like the CMS. Now, where LGPL fits into this is the LGPL is exactly like the GPL in almost every instance, except it has a clause that allows it to be linked with proprietary applications. So if you build an application on top of an LGPL library, and this also applies to MIT or BSD, there are, these are all permissive licenses. You are able to license your product, your application, that you built on top of these libraries under any license that you wish. Um, so what the GPL does for user freedom and end user freedom, the LGPL does for developer freedom. And it lets developers pick what they believe is the best license for their application. One of the caveats of the LGPL, and the reason that I prefer that, in the Joomla community at least, um, over MIT or BSD, is that with the MS, MIT or BSD license, I as a developer can take that, and as long as I retain the copyright headers within the, the files themselves, I can relicense that code however I want. I can make it closed source, can build an application proprietary that's locked up and lock users in and not let them at the source or anything. With LGPL, the reason I prefer it is it allows, or it, the only mandate that it has is that the LGPL software that you use must remain open source. The rest of your application can be closed source, but any LGPL libraries that you use and, and distribute, those must remain open source. So say if Microsoft wanted to build a new uh, access database program and they use the LGPL library, they could close source everything around that, but when they distributed it, you would have to have access to the source code for those LGPL libraries. So all that to say this, in that it guarantees that the code that I wrote will remain open source forever. Anybody who uses it, that code has to remain open source. And that's what I want because I want people to be able to examine my code for bugs and security issues and contribute back and things like that. I don't want it to be consumed by a third-party, closed-source, proprietary developer, you know, and just let them make it their own. My code that I wrote, that's LGPL, will forever remain open source, and, uh, you know, you're able to, to use it for that. But it doesn't restrict the, the license that a developer can use for their application. So there's been a pretty massive discussion um, on the forums. Is that still ongoing, or has it been resolved? So um, three weeks ago today, um, the Open Source Matters um, had a um, community blog post where they announced what we had requested, and then they opened up a forum post for feedback for community questions on the uh, on the LGPL for the Joomla framework. The first post reply to that was about eight paragraphs long, and it was just full of um, 
misinformation about FUD. what the request was. Yeah, full of FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, is this uh, Brian's post? Yes, this is uh, Brian's post. All right, um, this is, um, for people that don't know, this is significant because of Brian's position. So Brian doesn't have an official position with the project, with the Jumo project. He is a co-founder originally, and he currently advocates the Joomla CMS. He'll go to, he was at like uh, a Drupal day recently in his full Joomla garb. He has this nice white coat with the Joomla logo across it, and he's got the Joomla logo pants and everything. And he's a great guy. He's really great to talk to. But um, I guess we weren't clear enough in the original post of what the request was and what the ramifications of it were, pros and cons, that he kind of took the negative parts that he wanted to and built this post and some logical reasons why. Now, if what he was saying was true, I would be against the Dell GPL as well, but what he said wasn't true. He assumed that we were um, wanting to adopt LGPL version 3.1, or version 3.0 and greater, which, if that were the case, that would mandate the license for the Joomla CMS to be changed as well to GPL v3, which we don't want necessarily. Uh, it's currently a GPL 2.1 plus, I think. Um, so we didn't want to change that. And there was a couple other points. Um, I haven't reviewed it in a couple weeks. But all of that was more or less false. Um, and like I said, that really set the tone for the first five pages of replies. Everybody's saying, plus one, Brian, you know, what you're saying is true. We don't want the LGPL in here. Um, but if we take a step back... All right, so before we get into the counter-arguments, let's, let me play devil's advocate here and kind of recap okay. Brian's arguments. So the idea... And I'm going to try not... Uh, I'm going to try to actually <laughs> give his opinion justice. So the idea is that, hey, we're developing this software. This is open source software. It's for everyone to use. And we don't want businesses or proprietary software to use it and then not uh, take away from our open source values. So we want to propagate open source throughout. Um, that is that GPL would take away some of that um, open sourceness in a way. And, I mean, LGPL would take away some of that open sourceness in that it wouldn't force uh, future coders to open source their work. And there's a, kind of a fear going on that the Joomla code would later be used in uh, just proprietary closed source systems. Is that, um, I think I summed it up well? Yeah, that's a good sum up. <clears throat> um, excuse me. <coughs> I think my wife just came home. I'm going to get my coffee real quick. The, the, the issue I had was that um, there was a big discussion. There was a lot of opinion, a lot of people, you know, starting from that, that misinformation point of view, which he was probably well-intentioned, but it turned into really negative, poisonous conversation where people are talking on the side and emails that were not in the form are being released on the form, and just it made me want to grab popcorn and just read because it was like a train wreck in a forum. Yeah, I think I made it through seriously about eight, maybe maybe ten pages, and half of those were just plus ones, and it was uh, 
It was just horrible, though. I uh, could barely make it through. Well, the yeah, when 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 the site emails started getting copied and pasted into the uh, into the thread is when I I kind of went, wow, this thing's jumped the shark here. There's no rational discourse. It's just people, you know, flipping tables and throwing rocks. It was that's it was really pretty that's sad. A pretty good summary of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, to me, it seemed like most of the people complaining about it weren't truly aware of the facts. So let's get into, uh, I guess, Don's counter-argument and see what he thinks the facts are. So to me, the, the best argument for the LGPL comes from Richard Stallman. Um, uh, GPL zealots will recognize this name instantly. He's, uh, he, he's created GNU Herd. He's the founder of GNU. Uh, if I understand correctly, he, he, you know, had a big part in the writing of the GPL. Um, he wrote a wrote an article called "Why You Shouldn't Use the LGPL for Your Next Library," and he goes through some points of why not to, saying that, um, you know, we can build a better community if we stand together, and we can open source all the things, basically and create GPL software. But he has one paragraph in there, and it's really telling um, why you should use the LGPL, at least why we should use the LGPL for the Joomla framework. And let me just pull it up here real quick, and I can read it. So he says, using the ordinary GPL is not advantageous for every library. There are reasons that can make it better to use the lesser GPL in certain cases. The most common case is when a free library's features are readily available for proprietary software through other alternative libraries. In that case, the library cannot give free software any particular advantage, so it is better to use the lesser GPL for that library. And then he goes on to say, this is why we use the lesser GPL for the GNUC library. After all, there are plenty of other C libraries using the GPL for ours would have driven proprietary software developers to use another. No problem for them, only for us. So that right there is the crux of the argument. The Joomla framework isn't unique in what it does. It's unique in that it's easy for Joomla CMS developers to pick up and run with because it's something they're familiar with. It's got a similar API to what's available in the CMS at an application architecture level. But routing and input request management and event dispatching, things like that, that's not unique. That's something every framework needs to have. And there's nothing really unique at this point about the Juno framework. Um, we have some strong points, but again, those are available under MIT licenses, you can find a lot of what we offer in alternative libraries on packages.org pretty easily. So to me, the LGPL is hindering the adoption of our libraries amongst developers because, or I should say the GPL is hindering the adoption because they are forced to, at that point, to license their applications as GPL, which it removes that developer choice. Um, and it it's, it's the Joomla project saying, no, you can't use our software unless your software is also GPL. 
And I don't think we have that right, personally. Um, others differ. And that's really where the back and forth in that in the forum thread came from. Some were saying, if I volunteer for the Joomla project, I was volunteering under the idea that it would be GPL and forever open source, and this, what I've contributed, will never be used in proprietary applications. But what they failed to realize is they signed the Joomla contributor license agreement in which it clearly states we can license it under your software. We own a copyright, it, joint copyright with you, and we can license it under the GPL, the LGPL. A previous iteration of the Joomla contributor agreement also said the AGPL, which is, like, horrible, <laughs> if you're familiar with that. And um, it, those three licenses in regard to code, and then we have, like, a CC share-alike type license for documentation and things like that. So they either, A, didn't read the contract that they signed, the contributor license agreement, or they read it and they didn't understand, or they read it, understood it, and just hoped it would never apply. But I don't see how they can say we would hope that you would never follow through with this because the discussions about a Joomla framework being LGPL has been around since 2007. I don't see how they could say otherwise. Well, um, one of the themes, though, was a lot of people saying, well, you can't... It seemed like people saying you can't make money using that software in that thread. It's always going to be free, you know, and it's not that you can't charge services for it. And I mean, it, I, I thought that was a, a part of the thread that just went way off when, when I was reading through that. I mean, I've been making money off of WordPress and Drupal and, and Joomla even for many years now, and every time I build a site, here you go, here's your entire source code, you own it, you bought it, there you go. Yeah, um, it's people just... I feel like a lot of people were just coming up with reasons that sounded good to not adopt the LGPL, but they were really just talking out of their ass because a lot of what they said was not true. Uh, the LGPL, A, does not enable proprietary extensions for the Joomla CMS. That is not true, and that came up so many times. It does not enable proprietary extensions for the Joomla CMS any more than is already enabled today. You can already today create a proprietary extension for the GPL that is a legal proprietary extension by one, if you're, if you're building a Joomla component, you have to have a component entry file and the Joomla CMS calls that file and just executes its code. In that file, you're not extending any core Joomla classes, so that file itself can be any license you want to get it. And then from that point, if you wanted to throw in Symfony and build out your entire application as a Joomla component, you could do this and make it a legal closed source component. And making an LGPL Joomla framework doesn't make that any easier at all. You have to go through the exact same struggle of writing all this extra software yourself that normally the Joomla CMS would handle for you but since you want to make a proprietary extension, you can't use the GPL code of the CMS. So that argument is blown out of the water. It just doesn't even, doesn't hold its own ground. Um, this is another well, argument. I mean, the, the, one of the big things was it seemed like a lot of people who were not involved in the building of the framework and porting it and all the 
honestly, the really good, hard modernization work that you guys did, it seemed like a lot of people who weren't involved in contributing to that were being the most vocal about, you can't do that. And, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe that's just my interpretation, but it seemed to, if you really want to voice, pull request or shut the, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um... You are allowed to cuss on this podcast. You know what? Uh, my mom's going to watch this, I'm sure. So, <laughs> that's all. so along those lines... We're lucky uh, Phil isn't here to show his ass. Then. <laughs> um, I was going to say, along those lines, there um, was, I think it was middle of last year, Swift Mailer went through the process to change their license. Um, it's either Swift Mailer or Doctrine 2. I'm starting to think it was probably Doctrine. Um, Those are so went, very similar projects. I know, right? <laughs> so they went through the process of changing their license from LGPL to MIT, and they built this license manager software that basically analyzes your Git repo and pulls out all the contributor email names and email addresses that it can find and puts it into a spreadsheet or into the database and says how many people could, like, this person contributed, you know, 20,000 lines of code, this person contributed X, Y, Z, and then you're able to send out a mass email to which they can reply and either approve or deny the change. Because with software, when you write and you contribute that to a project, you own copyright. And if you contribute it under one license, the project can't relicense it unless you had a previous agreement such as a contributor license agreement or whatever, unless you give explicit permission because you own the copyright. So that's what Doctrine did, and they received um, enough feedback for that that, yes, they, were, they decided to, and they were able to change the license, no problem. So they actually open-sourced that, and I pulled that down, brought in the Joomla framework code, and saw there was about 150 contributors. I didn't go through and send out those mass emails and request the people to reply with what they, uh, what they thought about it, because we had a contributor's license agreement, and we wanted to change the license to a valid license that's in the agreement. So anybody who had already signed that, I just said, yeah, they agree to it because they signed it the CLA. This person agreed to it because they signed the CLA. And that cut out about 80% of all the contributors. Wow. And so we had a pretty big you know, grouping of people who had, had gone through the CLA. Um, there was about um, 35 to 40 people that had not signed the CLA, but they also didn't really contribute. They did contribute code, and it was useful code, and I don't want to, to downplay the importance of that at all. But someone like me, who has spent the past two years um, with the namespacing effort, code style, things like that, I've had over 500,000 lines of code touched in the Joomla framework contributing. The, the second highest is 400,000-some. Um, that's from Lewis Landry. He, uh, he's no longer with the project. He moved on to something else. And... Um, Third highest was uh, Andrew Eddy, also in the 400,000s. And, like, the top, I'd say, 25 contributors did, like, 88% of the code. And then everybody else, you know, just went down from there. 
contributing bug fixes and spelling fix, things like that, documentation, all these things are important. But out of the people that signed the CLA or explicitly approved of the, the LGPL, literally 99% of the code was covered. At this point, there's only about 42 lines of code in the entire Jumo framework project that have been contributed by six different people who have not signed the CLA. So the code is there, the permission is there legally to change the license. Um, and it's everybody who, they spend their time contributing help or documentation to the Joomla Wiki, um, or they help people on the forums and things like that. Those were the most vocal people against the LGPL. The people who actually wrote the code are 100% for it. Which brings me up to another complaint against LGPL that somebody brought up, and that was the reason the developers want LGPL is because they want to take the code and build proprietary programs with it. When you say that, you kind of hear how absurd that is, because if if I wanted to build proprietary programs with the Joomla framework, I would have just contributed somewhere else that wasn't GPL. I would have. Yeah, you'd done a lot more work than uh, you know you could have picked up Marvel yeah, or exactly. something. I could have a lot less work. Built, brought in Symphony components and built the next Laravel or something. Not really. Sorry, Taylor. I'm not trying to compete with you. Um, You're gonna so. make facade factory proxies. Oh shit. <laughs> Surrogate. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. You want to talk about the craziness? Right, yeah. Let's save that one for a little later. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. As crazy as that was on Twitter, the Joomla anti LGPL crowd was like, you know, in their misunderstanding of what it is. But I understand myself where they're coming from. Their view, and it's not something that you can really refute from. <clears throat> a logical standpoint because it's not a logic-based decision. I'm not oh, trying to say they're illogical. What I mean is it's it's like a religious belief. You believe it because you want to believe it and you believe it's true. And what their belief is, the Joomla project does not produce any software that's not GPL. Um, and that's, that's really the crux of their argument. It's, Traditionally, we've never produced anything that's not GPL. Um, those who contribute the most to the community as a whole um, with the documentation and helping on the forums and things like that, they want to stay GPL for that purpose. So it's really the two camps. You have only GPL because that's what we do, and that's our community culture. And the others, as in myself, <clears throat> a little more practical in that LGPL still respects the four freedoms that we all know and love um, of open source software. And it's an approved OSI license. So there's no reason. Oh, and on top of that, it's in the contributor's license agreement that we can do this. So in my opinion, there's no reason not to accept to placate those who believe that the Joomla project should not ever produce anything not GPL. So the, those six people, 
the, I think you said six people that haven't agreed to it. Um, what percentage of the code base is still in their name? So it's 42 lines total. Um, let me pull up something. I got an hour. You want me to rewrite it and refactor it? I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, I actually, there was some more code left, more than that 42 lines. Um, but uh, I already refactored some of that out. <laughs> And we, we removed it so we could facilitate this. So, um... I like that, but then I also have to say it is kind of an asshole move. So, I'm torn. Ben, I'm dead inside. You know that. <laughs> I just... I'm all right with it. You have a, all right, so, like a framed picture of Yoda behind you. I have low expectations of your taste. <laughs> yeah, well... So That's I'm just are. looking at uh, the Joomla framework project on Olo. If you guys aren't familiar with Olo, it's awesome. What is Olo? It, uh, let me see if I can find their mission statement. I don't know. But basically, they discover, track, and compare open source projects. Um, you can go, go in and add your GitHub repo, and it'll do all these stats on it, show you your top, top contributors, things like that. So, Interesting. yeah, according to Olo, the current Joomla framework is um, 95,844 lines of code. Um, we dropped a ton of packages back in February of 2013. Um, in October 2012, we were 255,000 lines of code, and we've slimmed down a lot from there, where we dropped packages that were specific to the CMS and no longer needed in a uh, in the Joomla framework. So we cut out a lot of that code, and where my 500,000 lines of code touch comes from is a lot of those packages that we already dropped during the namespacing and the uh, code style guide initiative so that we would follow our code style. So it's like I said, it's only 42 lines of code. Some of it is pretty critical. Um, you know, like a critical bug fix or something like that, and I didn't want to just refactor it out. I'm trying to get in contact with those people still. Um, one of them, the email address is bad, the, the one that holds, like, 25 of those lines of code. Um, so I'm try still trying to get a hold of him. But. So are there any of those people, are they the anti-LGPLers? Uh, no, none of those. Oh, I, I take that back. One person who had not signed the, the JCA was uh, Radek Susky. He's the author of Sobe Pro, a, very, a pretty popular Joomla extension. And he originally had not signed the JCA. And when I was doing all the legwork for this project, for seeing about changing it to the LGPL, I was contacting everybody who hadn't signed and either requested that they sign it or requested if they approved the change to LGPL. And Radex signed the JCA, so I just marked him off. And a year ago, when we had this discussion on the, uh, the platform uh, Google group, Radek was for the LGPL change, changed LGPL. But now he's changed his mind, and he's anti-LGPL. So out of the people who had contributed code that hadn't at the time signed the JCA, there's only one that I know of that uh, disapproves of the change. And his, he does have one line in the framework still, one line of code. 
yeah. the whole framework. <laughs> Come on, just send me an email. I'll, I'll <laughs> fix that. It's <laughs> funny. 42 lines holding up 95,000. <laughs> All right, so what's the current status? Like, what's the next step? Because it seems kind of like a stalemate from reading the forums. It's like a bunch of people like it, and then a bunch of people hate it. So where do you go from here? So in the project, like I said, we have this hierarchy. Open Source Matters owns the copyright. They have the money, and uh, they've been in contact with the Software Freedom Law Center, which I was in contact with them as well, all of us as a group. Um, so now, since they they are the ones who own the copyright, the joint copyright with the authors, they are the only ones who can authorize the change to LGPL. So we started a discussion so long ago, I did all this legwork, and we got a bunch of legal advice from the SFLC, which it was decided that, yes, we are able to make this change legally. Um, caveats being, we need to contact everybody who's not signed the JCA, and who, but who has contributed code, and see if they approve. I did that, um, except for the 42 lines. I still can't get a hold of those people. We have to do everything we can to contact them and get their approval. If they don't approve or we're not able to contact them, remove their code from the thing. If we go through all those steps, which we're in the step of now of removing the code, the remaining code, then we're in the clear. This can happen. And we have um, code ready to replace those 42 lines. It's very minor to get those things refactored. So what it's down to now is just OSM, Open Source Matter, saying, yes, we are making this change for the good of the project, and then that's it. That's what it's going to be. So we're just waiting on their vote, them to have a discussion on it again, that they've same discussion they've had for the past year and a half, and actually come to a decision. So that's what we're waiting on. So just about there. Just about there. They're supposed to be having a meeting this Sunday, so two days from now. Send them, the, send them a link to the, to the talk you just gave on it. <laughs> okay. To, so here you go. You want a link to... No, send them a link to it so that you can just say, hey, here you go, here's the case. To oh, this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just recapping what's there in the yeah. forum thread. Now, Ben, you're saying in the group chat you want a link to the forum fight? Yeah, that way we can um, put in the show notes. Anything okay. you guys reference, put a link in here and we'll put it in the show notes. Oh, okay, is this a live feed for our viewers as well? I have no idea. You just want it for the show notes? I have no idea if viewers can see this. I doubt it, but I don't know. Okay. Viewers, nod your head yes if you can see this. Oh, we can't okay. see you. <laughs> can't see <laughs> All right. Fair so nice. so that's All what right. we're looking on. It's just OSM. Okay, so how hard has it been not to rage quit? So um, we've had this discussion amongst the framework maintainers. I know um, one guy that's probably <laughs> thrown a few things. Yeah, it's um, pretty absurd the amount of arguments against this that just make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And people's blatant, it's almost willing misunderstanding of the subject matter is very hard not to just 
throw their hands up and be like, whatever, I'm going to go contribute somewhere else. Um, Joomla is very user-focused, which is good. Um, we were the first software, one of the greatest attractions for Joomla at the time, in 2005, was that it was multilingual, mul excuse me, <laughs> multilanguage and multilingual mixed together, multilingual. Um, that, that one beer is getting to you. There you go. So yeah. decaf that she got you from Duncan? Oh, I hope not. I She bought me decaf from Target the other day. I missed. I, I, like, what is this? I really miss Dunkin' Donuts. I'm kind of jealous right now, actually. It's so good. It's like dessert in a cup. Where are you located at? I'm in Crystal Lake, Illinois. It's a far west okay. suburb of Chicago. Okay. I actually got um, the project manager where I work. She lives in Alabama. I got her to ship me a bunch of the K-Cups from Dunkin'. Nice. Their K-Cups are kind of disgusting, actually. I was pretty disappointed. I agree. Yeah, I made nothing the, like a fresh Dunkin' cream and sugar. Well, I made the AeroPress switch last week. I heard about that. Actually, this is much more important than Joomla, so let's hear yeah. about it. So um, I, the, the four cups the first day, I said, okay, i got to <laughs> stop. <laughs> Second At day. At your age, that's like heart attack material. Are you kidding me? I For people that can't see David, it's heart attack. David has like this long gray beard. <laughs> and, like there's just wrinkles everywhere. We can't even tell if this is face. Yeah, hard to see. Yeah, yeah. The only time I'm happy is when I'm taking Ben's money playing ping pong or pool, right? Yeah, it's pretty bad actually. I still it, it's really bad. <laughs> oh, you like thirty bucks? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. <laughs> but the uh, so first day with the AeroPress and I was just following the directions that came with it. Um, that ended pretty quick, though. After that fourth cup, I said, uh, that's it. So I found, um, looked online, I found a uh, AeroPress Recipes website. It's basically the World AeroPress Coffee Olympics, something like that. <laughs> and people are so precise. You know, heat your water to 164.5 degrees, let it steep upside down with the inverted method for, you know, two minutes and 17 seconds. My God. And it's just insane. But I'll tell you what, I tried about five of them. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's the way to go. If you got time, great, do it. You're going to love the cup of coffee. Was it worth the effort? You know what, I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah, it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Well, I mean, there's, there's good and good enough, and that doesn't apply to coffee. My, uh, my father-in-law introduced me to the AeroPress um, about a year and a half ago, and I got to say, I'm super impressed with what it gives. It's great coffee. I got him a Keurig for Christmas like two years ago, and then the next time I visited him, he had this AeroPress. <laughs> he, like replaced the Keurig that quick, and yeah. uh, the Aero, it makes good coffee. I'm not gonna lie. Thirty thirty two dollars off of Amazon. Yeah. I mean, what kind of effort are we talking about? Because in the mornings, I'm not exactly the put-in-a-lot-of-effort kind of guy. You mean like 11 a.m. when you when you roll out of bed? Is that, is that the That's morning? That's still morning. That's morning. <laughs> yeah, technically. Do you want to have lunch at like 11.30? That is That's because I get up at like 6. I'm old. Crazy. Yeah, it's true. No, it's uh, about two minutes, two and a half minutes to make a cup. Okay. I, mean, I can handle that. Which yeah. is faster than a bun, mind you. A bun is three minutes. That's true. Very true. All right, yeah. Yeah, if you look but, at you know, it now. We got a Keurig, and it's all right. It's quick. It's easy if you're running around in a hurry. But if you got the time, definitely it's it's definitely worth it, the AeroPress. But, you know, I, I haven't gone crazy sourcing coffee beans or anything like that. You know, it's just 
go grab a bag from the grocery store, and there you go. That's good enough. You should get those coffee beans that they feed to the monkeys, and then they crap them out, and they pick through the feces to get the coffee beans. What Post a... the fuck? Dude, I got, I got three kids. I, I, I deal with thing. enough of that. That is real oh. coffee. I'm not even lying to you. No, I'm, that's actually a thing. That's all It's, it's that. $600 a pound. Well, yeah, because it, wow. you know they can't get anybody to go through the uh, the feces for the coffee <laughs> beans. You know, everybody keeps quitting. Yeah. Good so uh, that's, that's that's not nice. So what, David? You and I have been working on a project for a while. Oh, yeah, that uh, <laughs> stack eventually, right? Yeah. So uh, Ben, I don't know if you're that should be their timeline eventually. Yeah, eventually. Well. So we're working with uh, Stack PHP. Um, sometime last year, uh, I had heard about Stack PHP. I guess they started in the spring, and then I heard about it in the summer, and then I got interested in Ruby because I'm a stinking hipster. Uh, who I wish whatever. Yeah, that um, beard gives you away. You're wearing skinny yeah, jeans right now, aren't my you? My fake goatee gives me away. So uh, your monkey poop coffee beans. That's <laughs> that's what gives you away. You'd fit in great in Portland. I need a hat like that only covers the back part of my head. <laughs> so anyways, um, Stack PHP, and I just wanted to see what it's like to convert Ruby code over to PHP. There's an, an Stack PHP is inspired by, excuse me, by Rack, which is a Ruby system similar to, uh, it's an HTTP abstraction for Ruby, and we're working on porting some of those uh, rack middlewares over to PHP. So David and I have been working on one. It was actually developed, develop, excuse me, that's hard to say. <laughs> it was developed by Kickstarter called Rack Attack, which uh, we'll also link to in the show notes. Um, that basically allows you to whitelist, blacklist, throttle, filter, all incoming traffic to your Rails application and, you know, just be a traffic cop and uh, really handle things like that. So we're, I started out, as I said, just converting code from Ruby over to PHP, and then I realized what this was, what I was working on. It was this massively important piece of software written by Kickstarter, and I'm building the PHP implementation of that. So I didn't realize it when I first started, but then I was like, I need help with this. And well, I, about that time I got bored and said, I need to do something. And so I asked Don, you know, hey, what can I do for uh, for uh, the, the League of uh, Extraordinary Packages? Oh, yeah, that was it. And he said, well, don't do anything else. Help me with this. <laughs> okay. was, that, was that like four months ago, five months ago? <laughs> I don't know. You asked me the other day or a couple weeks ago about the, the cache object, and I had to go look it up. I, w I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah. but I think it was uh, yeah, it's probably November, I think, when we started it. Right. And so I think all we got less left is test coverage. And Well, I'm, I'm refactoring the... the uh, interface, the, the developer interface for it, so it, it's more like Rack. I oh, know okay. it's not Ruby. You know, we don't need to emulate it perfectly, but it's really verbose to get set up, to get that cache yeah, in there and all this stuff. It's really hard, so 
I want to just make that simpler, and I've been thinking about how to best implement that for a while. So hopefully, Q4 2014, <laughs> we'll have we'll have this. Um, I get time periodically to work on it, so I yeah, think that's well, actually going to be a really important re- uh, stack PHP middleware in the future. I, I think so too, but uh, but for sure, let me know. I mean, I I got time if you need it, so let me know what you need. If uh, okay, I got to get my. Uh, refactoring done on it, and then we can work on tests. Okay. Yeah, the tests are the easy part. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right with writing tests. I like that. That uh, When uh, I took a job April of last year, and um, pretty big code base, pretty big uh, kind of a conglomerate of, you know, Kohana and some Zend and all kinds of stuff, and that's how I got it. That That's how I figured out what was going on was I just started writing tests and reading through the tests, so that's a great place to start, and I kind of like that anyway, so I'm not going to get knuckle tattoos for testing, yeah. but, you know. Test. So um, Chris Harches has those tattoos, doesn't he? <laughs> Grumpy programmer? I yeah. think that was a, a Photoshop. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Or ink pen. Actually, I think it was ink pen. <laughs> uh, possible. So um, bringing this full circle back to the Joomla framework, um, we actually have pretty good test coverage uh, for our packages. Um, our DI package that I wrote myself after analyzing a bunch of different implementations and trying to see what we needed for the Joomla framework, it has 100% coverage. Uh, so humble. What's that? So humble. So, so did you test the private and protected methods or not? I don't have private methods. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the getters and setters. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you maybe. Can look it up. We'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that has a. But overall, the the framework as a whole has like sixty five percent test coverage, something like that. Which, if you follow it, follow uh, PHP on Reddit at rphp, um, you'll see Laravel only has fifty percent coverage. So. Taylor, again, don't get mad at me for that. I know. <laughs> um, but they have reasons in that. You don't need to test the facades. You, like you said, you don't need to test the setters and getters and things like that. So. Yeah, there's the uh, proxy iterator arrays. I'm the, sorry. The, the, the dogmatic, you know, you have to test everything versus you don't have to. Always, you know, there's common sense, critical thinking, right? I don't right. need to test this here because it's one line and yeah. simple. Do I yeah. really need to test a native PHP function with a return in front of it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So funny thing, we actually had a post on the forum, on the framework forums, or not forums, Google group, today about we don't need to test. A guy went on a big dissertation about we don't need to test the private methods. Um, they're worthless to the point that we should actually delete the tests that we where we have tested the private methods. Uh, but thankfully, there's only like four classes within the whole framework that actually do tests on private methods. So we actually accidentally got to that point where we aren't testing the private just because you know nobody had the time or motivation to do that already. So what's your stance? Mine is usually not to test them. 
And if it's something that's used kind of globally everywhere, it probably shouldn't be private anyway. Right. So I'm on the fence. I think you should test anything that could break so you're sure that nothing's going to break. But for me, like a big part of how I've made a name in the Joomla community for myself and was able to gain gain trust and amongst the community and the core maintainers to the point where they invited me on board was I started writing tests where nobody else wanted to write tests. It was either too hard or, you know, all this. And I learned a lot. I learned how to write tests. I learned, you know, proper things, community interaction, things like that. So having a project with less than 100% test coverage actually <laughs> helps your community get involved. You can say, hey, come on in and write tests for this code we wrote, you know, and uh, help people learn and grow. So I think it's actually a benefit. Um, so if we had 100% coverage for everything not private um, or protected, the only place where they'd be able to contribute is the private and protected method. So we have a package that needs some tests, but it's only there. I wouldn't mind if somebody submitted tests to test that. I would certainly include it. Um, to help the community um, involvement factor. You know, I, I guess my feeling is that if it's non-trivial, test it, right? So I, I tend to write a lot of classes with, you know, one entry point in and then everything else kind of happens behind the back. There you go. And uh, we were making fun of him for his hair having horns. There. I see that. Um, but, yeah, I tend, to, I tend to write a lot of things with, with one entry point and then a lot of things happening as protected methods. And... Um, and so I'll write a lot of tests around those. But if it's non-trivial, yeah, absolutely test it. If it's, you know, going to branch because of some logic, yeah, test it. Um, but if it's just returning a value or doing something minor, either refactor it because maybe you don't need that method or don't test it because it's too trivial. So just no, that's, common that's sense. How, uh, the Ruby on Rails guy, uh, DHH, David, Heinemeyer Hansen. That's his belief on it, too. It's like... When he's not racing cars, or...? Yeah. Does, that, does he do that? I don't know. I just... Yeah, he's a big uh, he's a big race car guy. All I knew was DHH. I had to Google it for his name. Um, I like how you turned on an accent when you said his name. It was perfect. Well, is, it, is he German? Danish. <laughs> he is uh, David Heinemeyer. got a little Danish friends. A few of them. Know how they talk, the Vikings. Anyways, a little off topic, slightly. I've eaten that's, how, that's what he. That's how he feels about testing. Is if it's non-trivial, you know, test it. Um, but if you have um, get property and set property, and all it does is say this property name equals what you put in or returning it, why in the world would you test that? It's obviously trivial. Yeah, I, I, I ran into this discussion at, uh, at work. People were talking about best practices, this and that. And, you know, it's, okay, yeah, you want 100% test coverage, great. But that doesn't mean you don't have to think. Right. You know, best yeah. practices don't mean stop thinking and just follow the dogma. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So it's much easier to say, always do this instead of, well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's much easier to just follow the 10 bullet points of PHP testing than it is to have to well, actually just, do something. 
I just think there, there, there's a reasonable thought process that people miss out on because they gravitate towards, you know, an extreme instead of making intelligent decisions. Maybe it is okay if I don't use a repository here and it's just a CRUD app because i got to right. ship it tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, it's not perfect, but guess what? It's, uh, it is what it is, and it is what it needs to be. So, so uh, one of the things we had with um, community involvement is we wanted, because talking about tests and things like that and how it can encourage community involvement, allow places for newcomers, is uh, we're thinking about a way to have like live chat instead of just forums and stuff like that. And we don't want to invite all the community members into our private Skype chats and things like that. So um, have you guys heard of the service called Gitter? G-I-T-T-I-R? No. No, it's I haven't. Gitter.im. It's um, group chat based on GitHub. Oh, shit, yeah. I have seen that, actually. That looked pretty awesome. Isn't that oh. the picture from uh, Taylor's book? <laughs> Let me see Go to go to Gitter.im website, and that looks a lot like the picture from the front of uh, Taylor Otwell's Laravel book. I've seen that picture a few times. Stock photography is great, right? Yeah, stock photos are great. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, they, they just released a massive idea. update today that'll really make it easy for uh, community involvement. Because right now, or previously, it was tied to your GitHub structure, so. Oh, yeah. it's like, github.com slash joomla slash joomla-cms. You had that same URL minus the GitHub on gitter.im, and that was the chat room for that repo. Um, but now they created just um, group chats where you can you know, bring anybody in, private, whatever. And um, I think we may use that as an open source project moving forward, so that's a pretty cool tool to aid community involvement. That's not Skype and not sending your messages directly to the NSA. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe the NSA now has complete history of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, since it's Git-based and it's like yeah. everything. Yeah, they even have edits. <laughs> so anyways. They have all cool. the comments you deleted and all the tests you removed. <laughs> yeah, they got it. They, got they know who the risky people are, right? That's how it works? Yeah. All right, so I guess we should uh, start closing up here. Um, that can be your thing if you want, Don. One thing we've been doing lately is uh, just kind of like say something cool you used lately, whether it's a you know SaaS or some kind of tool. I think like uh, Phil's last week was uh, Adam, the new GitHub text editor, as an example. Sublime uh, text by GitHub. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Sublime text in JavaScript. Coffee script, actually. No, buddy. Because JavaScript is not hipster enough. You have to do no. coffee script. No. We should create monkey shit coffee script. <laughs> yes. No. Right after my drunk Phil Sturgeon app. Yeah, when's that happening? You know, I still got to do it, but I got like nine things. All right, so we should share this. David has an awesome idea for an app since Phil's not here. So, it's, uh, go ahead. Yeah, in the spirit of a Funkatron's hand button. Right, it was going to be a uh, drunk Phil Sturgeon app. You go, you press a button, and it's just a sound clip of Phil saying, you know, fuck or whatever. That's <laughs> all it is. It's just you know, your mom's got to hear this movie commit. Just even simpler than that. <laughs> so, 
you could expand on that instead of being like a soundboard. Uh, Zach Kitzmiller, who's a common guest on PHP Town Hall, he has a Twitter account that's Drunk Zach Kitz, and you could figure out what he did for that, create Drunk Phil Stew. Now, I, I had a friend who um, at a hackathon built a um, built a little app using the uh, it was a speech to text library, and it was called Dubstep Lyrics. And it basically went on Tumblr and found uh, there was a, a, a dubstep lyrics Tumblr, and it it read all these dubstep lyrics in a computer voice. So it was wop wop do up do up wop wop, you know, and just read the whole thing. There you and go. I, yeah, it sounded like Stephen Hawking at a at a at a dance at, this, at a rave. <laughs> oh man, that's wrong on so many levels. Wait on the drop. It is, and I think that'd be hysterical for uh, <laughs> just transcribe a bunch of, yeah. Anyway, that'd be awesome. So, <laughs> right. um, so uh, yeah, my cool thing of the week is uh, I guess DivShot. It's a uh, kind of the HTML5 quick mockup tool. It's been out for a little while, but they really found it a lot. So if you need to do you know a demo or anything like that, you can mock it up. And DivShot real quick and easy, and it actually gives you, tool. yeah, it gives you, it has Bootstrap, Foundation, and now Ratchet as well. Ratchet is a uh, like oh iPhone. right, is yeah, they used to have just Bootstrap. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty pretty all encompassing now. So you can do you know full web, your flat designs with Foundation, or just your generic with Bootstrap, or you know iPhone with uh, Ratchet, and they aren't paying us for this yet. As much as I pimped it out so far, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Check it out; it gives you actually decent HTML and CSS when you're done. It's worth uh, looking at. I've been using a uh, there's a, a GitHub repo that has a bunch of Angular directives for Foundation. Uh, where I work, we use Foundation kind of as our front end framework. And um, I was telling Ben the other day, I've been trying to port stuff from other front end frameworks into R's built off of foundation, and some of those are the Angular directives, and it's just um, I'm going to spend a lot of time over the next couple of weeks working on Angular. I think it's it's pretty it's a change in thought process for sure from working with jQuery to now think about how you're building this thing. So Angular is, if I had to say what I've been using, that's pretty cool. It'd be that. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Angular fan. I was actually really really critical of it at first because I thought it was way too magical when I first looked at it, and I'm not <coughs> not as much of a fan as of magical frameworks. Um, I like the Ember a lot more, but after being kind of forced into using Angular for a little while, I've really grown to like it because it, it really gets rid of a lot of the, the just boilerplate that you end up doing, and it you know, two-way binding is just easy as hell. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I like about it. I mean, we're looking at I run a, the PHP team, and I'm kind of the interim guy on the, the front-end team, and um, we've got a lot of .NET projects that come through, and just trying to figure out a way to, you know, not soil myself working with their stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, it's the, the, the two-way binding and being able to pass data easily, I like the idea of that clean separation between the two. Um, it really looks good for that, I think, so for sure. Awesome. Well, I did want to say one other thing since um, 
the cool tool of the week. Um, there is a project that is uh, built by a Joomla template company um, called Utheme. They've been working on this uh, open source CMS that is actually built on top of Symphony components called PageKit, and it's at pagekit.com. And they just had their first private alpha release this week. So I was able to get that and really uh, go How through is that? What's that? How is that? Because I've been looking at that, and that looks awesome. Yeah, so the UI is pretty good. Um, developing extensions for it's going to look like it's really good as well. Um, they have uh, some command line tools to build your uh, scaffolding and things like that that you need for um, building extensions for this thing. And if you're familiar with the Joomla CMS and you open up PageKit, you're really going to see its Joomla roots. So I'm pretty excited about what they did with this, and uh, which is why I signed up for the, the private alpha release. And I'm really looking forward to what it's, what it's going to be. Once they have a full beta release, it's out in the community, and just to see what people can do. Even now in the private alpha, some people are doing pretty good things with it, like form builders. Um, they have a, a built-in marketplace within the application. So Really? Yeah. So you have your command line tools, you build out your extension, and then you have another command line tool you run, and it uploads it to their marketplace and gets it all. So the next time somebody logs into their PageKit admin, the extension you wrote is now right there available for them to install. So it's a pretty good workflow from what I've seen, and uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. Cool. Sweet. Competition right. for Joomla. Very nice. I, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I saw it, and that and October CMS both look interesting. Um, yeah, that's hopefully they're not storing though. templates in the database. Hopefully it's a good clean separation and good easy migration between uh, environments. Oh, uh, just one other quick thing is uh, about PageKit is they built their own templating language called Razor. Um, yeah, I remember seeing very that. Very similar in syntax to Blade. <laughs> Why um, would you do that? You can use Twig. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but both of both Blade and Razor are based on a uh, ASP.NET templating mm-hmm. framework. Um, I don't know what it's called right off the top of my head, but it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. But I'm excited for them. A lot of great stuff coming up in the open source world. A lot of great PHP apps. Yep. And uh, good stuff. Mr. Cool. I guess we'll uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. We've been about a little over an hour now. So thanks everyone for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to follow up on uh, Twitter. If you have any additional questions, we'll bug these guys to get them answered for you. Catch you next time. Thanks everyone. See you later, guys. Take it easy. <laughs>